Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, every episode exactly 20 years after its original air date. So, tonight we're talking about fear itself, and we also have like a little postscript now that the Angel series has begun, as far as the 20 years later. So we're going to talk about the episode, I Fall to Pieces, the Angel episode. I'm just going to go ahead and say it, like, probably this episode will still be an hour and a fucking half like it always is, but as I begin this... I am just feeling like I don't have much to say about either of these episodes. Um, The Buffy episode is very straightforward. And for the most part, the Angel episode is too. I just, and I'm very tired today. (laughs) I had another um, day where I worked all day, nine hour shift. And... Then, you know, like, came home, ate dinner, went for a walk. Then I started watching the Buffy episode and doing the research and all that stuff. So, I now just kind of feel like going to bed. And if you know me at all, you know that's very strange for me to want to go to bed at 9 (laughs) o'clock. Okay, so let's get into it. I guess. Like, I almost feel like I had this, like, small vision of myself just reading the notes out loud and then going, okay, bye! (laughs) I mean, I know I'll, I'll find some way to babble. I always do. Okay, let's see. So, I'm gonna read you the, um, episode summary from Nikki Stafford's episode guide. I'm trying to do it one-handed because I'm holding the recorder in one hand. Okay, here we go. Fear itself. You know what? I never do. I never tell you like any of the like actual technical details to do that today. (laughs) Original air date, of course, October 26, 1999, written by David Fury and directed by Tucker Gates. I don't remember ever seeing that person's name. Um, okay. Here's the, here's the, here's the summary. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. 14 beautiful words. And it really does sum up the entire episode. When the gang enters a haunted house, their worst fears end up coming true. So this is a Halloween episode. The entire metaphor here is that your fears are never as big in reality as they actually are in your head. Um, because, you know, it's basically, it's, it's nightmares part two. If you guys remember in the the season one episode nightmares, it was one, it was essentially like the Freddy Krueger episode of Buffy where everybody's worst fears were coming true in a nightmare sense. It's basically just, you know, three years later, how have their fears evolved? So in that way, it is very interesting. I don't, I remember this as being a really good episode, but watching it again, it just, just now when I watched it, I mean, it was a perfectly enjoyable episode. It's straightforward. It has some laughs. It, you know, obviously it's telling a story because, you know, they're going through this haunted house and each of their like worst fears is manifesting in some way. I don't feel like it was particularly well-directed. I feel like it was well-written, but not necessarily well-directed. Um, which tracks, if this is, since I don't recognize the director's name, it's possible that this was this person's first time directing Buffy. And maybe last. Um, I don't know. I just felt kind of lackluster watching it this time. And I did watch it twice, like I always do. And I just... I mean, it's not one that I ever skip, it's not one that I dread, but it's not one I really think about. Um, And it's just, you know, the premise is just very simple. Like, they're all, their fears are manifesting, and at the very end, when the demon comes forth, it turns out the demon is only, like, three inches tall. And then you find out that in the book, um, the inscription below, like, the drawing of the demon said actual size. So like, okay. Um, 
So, I mean, it's just straightforward. Your fears are not as big as they are in your head. There it is. I only took one page front and back of notes. And if you know me, I usually take a lot more notes. So let's just start reading them and see if I have any thoughts. Um, I was just thinking about the, okay, so one of the very first quotes from Buffy is, you know, they're all carving pumpkins with Xander in his basement. Um, Willow, Oz, uh, Xander, and Buffy. And Buffy says, I was just thinking about the life of a pumpkin. Grow up in the sun, happily entwined with others. Then someone comes along and rips you out of the ground. Or I, the last part is paraphrased because I didn't get that part completely right. And I didn't feel like rewinding. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I don't mean to be apathetic right now. Let's just work through it. Okay. I'm just very tired. And my coworker today was sick. I'm really like, I'm trying not to be trepidatious speaking of fear <laughs> but i think it was just because it was an overstimulating day let's take a little side quest maybe if i talk about it then we can get through it and move on um today was okay so i work at a public library um i know i don't talk about my personal shit as often on this podcast as i am used to doing like i talk about my personal shit constantly on my radio show guys <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I forget how much of it I actually say to you guys on the podcast. Not that much. Usually I stick pretty closely to Buffy on this podcast. Anyway, I work at a public library. If you don't know, now you do. And today was a day that we had like a, we had what we call a writer's fair. It was basically where a bunch of, I think it was like 35 ish local authors came and like set up tables and they were doing like book signings and and there were there was readings they were doing readings of their stuff and all that and it was overstimulating to me like I wasn't running the program or anything but it was overstimulating to me because it was all done in the lobby of the library, which is right next to the desk where I work. So it was just, and there were, I think in the end it was like 250 or 300 attendees. So like 35 authors, 250 to 300 attendees, um, of people that those are not just the people that were in the library for library reasons, but people that came to like look at the writer's fair and involve themselves with the writer's fair, <laughs> involve themselves. <laughs> it's a community event. And, um, and then there was also like three or four different TV crews showed up at one point. It was just, and it was very loud. It's very big and echoey in the lobby of the library as it is. So it was just, and also I had some coworker issues today. There's this one coworker that I think she's having a lot of problems with anxiety and other things. Um, that's all I'll say. It's, she's a little bit difficult to work with sometimes because, and I have to remind myself of how young she is. She's very young. She's like 18 or 19. And when I was that age, I was not even, I was not doing customer service and dealing with the public as much as she is. So, um, I, you know, I feel for her is the most, the most of, of my thoughts is that I feel for her, but it's also just what she's going through is so apparent that it's difficult for the rest of us to navigate. If that, I don't, I'm trying to be vague because I don't, I don't want to be like shitty or anything. I don't want to be gossipy or shitty, but you know, the thing is, it's difficult sometimes. And today was a difficult day for her and thus also somewhat for the rest of us. And then one of my other coworkers was also just like, 
I just can't. I'm not a person that can actually like be tactful. So I can't really bring up anything at all because I suck at being tactful. So let's just stop there. It was a frustrating, overstimulating day. And um, so that was my nine to six today. So I'm just, I feel bad that like I'm coming to you guys in this state of being like a husk and not having the proper energy to devote to this episode of Buffy. Um, if I were the type of person that would like, you know, drink an energy drink and just suck it up and go for it, <laughs> but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not an energy drink person. Um, so I mean, I drink coffee, but <sighs> okay. I had to power through. Here we go. Let's just go through the notes. Okay. So Buffy is still sad about Parker. Um, as I think Oz puts it, she's suffering from post Parker depression right now. Um, some of the things I wrote down, mo most of my notes today were just me writing down quotes, which is what I do most of the time. Anyway, I just write down quotes from the episode, which is like a little reminder of where we are in the episode. So I can talk about it with you guys. Um, at one point, Oz says, hippos and tutus, hippos and tutus don't unnerve me like they used to. He's referring to, um, uh, Xander has rented, he thinks he's rented phantasmagoria, phantasm, something. And it's actually Fantasia that he ends up with. Um, Buffy leaves early, leaves Xander's house early, and they're kind of just talking about her afterwards. Like, yeah, she's been pretty down because of Parker, blah, blah, blah. Buffy accidentally punches a kid in a costume because, you know, he looks like a demon. Honest mistake for a slayer, I'd say. Um, Willow. So it's the next day now, and this is like a scene in the cafeteria. We've gotten a lot of those so far. I feel like that really drops off after the first little chunk of the season. I feel like we don't see them in the cafeteria again. Like even in maybe the middle of the season, definitely we never see them in the cafeteria in later seasons. I don't think so. Anyway, I don't know. Side note. Um, so Willow's kind of talking to Buffy about, this is kind of nice actually, that they're just sort of having a real, I mean, obviously it's in service to the plot of the particular episode, but it's nice to see them just having a conversation about what's going on with them. You know, um, Willow's talking about how, like, she's ready to go to the next level with, with Wicca and magic. And, you know, and Buffy's like, okay, well, what's the next level? And she's like, transmutations, blah, 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 starts listing things. And she's talking about the dark arts and she's like, but it's scary. And Buffy's like, well, don't do anything that you're not ready to do. And Willow's like, no, I'm ready. You know, and Oz walks up and he's kind of concerned. So this is a nice little moment of foreshadowing. There are a couple of little nuggets of foreshadowing in this episode that are well done. Um, this sets up the whole, I mean, this is not the first time that we've gotten a little bit of a sprinkling of, hey, maybe Willow's doing a little too much magic and she kind of goes too far sometimes kind of thing. Um, but this is the first time that we've, well, not the first time, but Oz kind of, you know, lets her know that like, you know, of course he's supportive of her no matter what. He just, he just doesn't want her to get hurt. And he obviously, you can tell that he is worried about how far Willow goes with magic already, um, which is going to be a continuing plot throughout the rest of the series. So they already knew where they were going with Willow's character arc. And that's cool. I just love those moments. That's one of the, my favorite things about Buffy is that there are those little moments where you get a hint that like, they don't really know the like details of what they're going to do as a show in general, but they usually know where they're going to take the main story arcs. They're like, I know that Willow's going to hit rock bottom and magic is her addiction. And like, they knew this already. They knew this. And it sort of is even a little bit of foreshadowing into this is, I think Willow might've said something even in the last episode about 
because I remember thinking, ooh, is this where we meet Tara? And the last episode, she must have said something about magic, about wanting to, you know, go further or something. And I think, I don't know when exactly it is that we meet Tara. Let's see, when, when is Hush? Hush is like a Christmas episode, isn't it? December 14th. Yeah, pretty much. So I know we meet we meet Tara at least in the next Oh, let's see. 1 2 3 at least in the next 3 4 weeks or so. Um we're still in the like this is our fourth episode in a row having four Buffy episodes to talk about every single week and we still have five more in a straight row. I don't know if we've ever had five, six, seven, eight. So that's nine episodes in a row with no break in between. So pretty solid run of Buffy, Buffy episodes we're in right now, which is cool, which is cool and also exhausting because I happen to work like every single Saturday lately. It sucks. I think I might have next Saturday off. I do. I have next Saturday off. So when we talk about beer bad, hopefully I will have more energy. <laughs> but anyway, um, it's a, just a nice little bit of foreshadowing that she's talking about how she wants to go further and she doesn't really know how to do it and like that kind of thing. So it's going to lead to her deciding to join the group where she meets Tara. Okay, where are we? Transmutation. Um, but ultimately, Oz, Oz is just so sweet and wonderful. And he's, you know, just lays it all out there. He's like, I am worried about the magic thing. And then he says, but know that whatever you decide, I'll back your play, which is just the sweetest little thing. It's just the sweetest thing for you to tell someone that you kind of disapprove of what they're doing. You're worried about the choices that they're making, but no matter what, you love them and you'll back them up. It's just, it's something that... It's just such a little thing, but I feel like as humans, we don't do that for each other often enough. I feel like we don't actually, you know, when you're expressing your disapproval at the choices that your friends are making, how often do you make sure you remind them that it's really okay no matter what they do? Um, I don't know. I think there's, I have a friend right now that is he is in a relationship that really should have been over maybe two years ago. They've been together three years and he knows, he knows, but he's not ready. And, you know, I'm having to remind myself, like, you know, it's, it's to that point where, you know, like your friend has been struggling for a long time and you hate to see them suffer and you know that they know that all they need to do is end it. It's time. It's just time. And even though I feel like he knows that deep down, he's still not ready. He's just not ready. So I have to remind myself of something that my mom told me whenever I was in a terrible relationship, when I was, whenever I was a, still in my early twenties, she, she would just like, she'd be so frustrated you know, and I, it's understandable. Like, how can you see someone just like go through the same thing over and over and over? And it's, and just be like, just get out. You just want to shake them. Just go. I have nothing else to say to you. Just break it off. And my mom's like, okay, well, when you're done, you're done. And you're obviously not done. <laughs> and it's just the simplest thing, but I have to keep telling myself that like, he's not done yet. He's not done. There's nothing I can do about that. I can't, you know, and I have to, anyway, somehow I feel like that relates to like Oz being like, look, I don't approve of what you're doing. What you're doing is dangerous. What you're doing is probably not good for you, but I love you anyway. And I support you. <laughs> it's, it's just a nice way to say, I will be there to help you and bail you out when you make the shitty choices that I can foresee you making. Um, 
which is uh, nice. It's just nice. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I've got no words tonight. Um, okay, here's the biggest problem that I have with this episode. So Buffy goes to see Giles. Why is she going to see Giles? I don't know. She's, oh yeah, she wants to know if he wants her to patrol, to patrol on Halloween. She's kind of looking for a way out of the party that everybody has invited her to because she just, she wants to mope around in the cemetery instead, which, you know, I can relate. So when she goes to visit him, he answers the door in a false blanket that has been turned into a poncho and a sombrero with fringe on it. And it's the cutest thing ever in the whole history of the universe. And she is judgy McJudgerson to him the whole time. Like she refuses to even have a conversation with him while he's wearing his jaunty little sombrero. Is it cultural appropriation for Giles to be wearing a sombrero and, and, uh, Falsa blanket, Pacho? Maybe? He's not, it's nothing like too caricature y. Like he's not, you know, he's not speaking in a racist accent. He doesn't have, like, you know, there are many ways that they could have taken this too far, but he's just wearing a sombrero and a poncho. Surely that's okay, right? I'm really, like, not great with the whole cultural appropriation thing because I think I personally have a problem with cultural appropriation. Like, I have worn bendies since I knew what they were. <laughs> um, and as a white person, like, my argument's always, as a white person, I don't have any culture, you know? So any culture that I want to engage with is going to be appropriating someone else's because I don't have one. Like white people is not a culture. It's just, it's just privilege and blandness, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, so anyway, that's just me expressing that. Like I see somebody in a sombrero and a poncho and it makes me happy because sombreros and ponchos are happy things in my mind. Um, so hopefully it's not cultural appropriation for me to be appreciating Giles in his costume because I really do. And Buffy is really mean to him. Like she's acts like he is juvenile and Michael pointed something out that, um, that I think is actually pretty astute. Um, he's like, well, everybody's being so judgy of Giles because they're not used to seeing more layers of his personality, you know, like they're having to go to his domain starting in this season. Like this is where Giles's home becomes a regular set piece. Cause she's, they're always going over to Giles's house instead of going over to the library. So you're seeing more than just Giles, the librarian, you're seeing that he has a sense of whimsy and likes to decorate his house for Halloween and hand out candy and wear a poncho and a sombrero. He likes to, you know, just, he has a TV, you know, like there are things about Giles' personality that we're finding out now for the first time. So I thought that was a really great observation, better than any of the observations I got tonight. So maybe he should be recording this podcast. <laughs> um, Buffy so judgy of Giles' outfit. My next note is, Anya's hair is lighter already. Like just in the last episode, her hair was like black. And in this episode it's red and they're going to continue to like, if I remember correctly, it's sort of going to be a lighter color in every episode until it's blonde. <laughs> they had to do it gradually, which must've been horrible for her hair. She must've hated doing that, but whatever. Um, Xander says something cute. So Anya goes to see him again in his basement and she's doing the whole, like, why haven't you called me? And he's like, you told me you were over me. And she's like, well, I was just saying that because I thought that's what you wanted to hear. And he, and Xander says, I tend to listen to the words people say and accept them at face value. And Anya says, well, that's stupid. And Xander says, I accept that. So that was a nice little Xander moment. Xander doesn't get them very often, so let's give him his due. Um, my next note is Professor, Wa Professor Walsh is mean 
and Riley is a nice boy. <laughs> this is where I do my thing and I'm going to be doing this because I am very aware of how much the fandom hates Riley and let's be honest I didn't really like him very much the first few viewings of this show either but it's just so good to see him. It just is. You know, we're about to enter into an era of Buffy having a healthy relation. I mean, maybe it's never a super healthy relationship, but it's a healthy-ish relationship with a genuinely good person. Riley is not a bad human. We're, we're never going to have to distrust him. We're never going to have to worry that he's going to be rapey towards Buffy. We're never going to have to worry that he's going to cheat on her. I mean, I guess he kind of technically does a little bit, but we'll talk about that when we get there. He's just a dependable, nice, smart guy and yeah he's got some pitfalls because he's like an Iowa boy or whatever and he's got a little bit of like binary black and white thinking but he his mind can be changed and expanded he's I don't know <laughs> all we get is just like this little this is the first time we've really gotten I mean, I guess we did get another conversation between Buffy and Riley before this moment, but this is like the first time that like they're connecting a little bit. Like he is being sympathetic and understanding towards her and she, she thanks him, like genuinely thanks him. Like, thank you for, you know, he notices that she hasn't been herself lately and they just have a nice little conversation and my note was Riley is a nice boy so let's give him that because <laughs> he really is um my next note is Oz inadvertently activates the seal so he gets called to the the whole thing is the there's a party at a frat house and he gets called to the frat house to fix their stereo or to bring them his stereo to use for the whatever spook house situation they are going on um, and he cuts himself while like trying to fix the speaker wire and he bleeds on this seal that they're copying out of a book, which how did they get this like demony book? Who knows? Um, Buffy goes to see her mom. So this is one of the only times we see Joyce in like this whole season. She's helping Buffy fix her red riding hood outfit that she wore when she was 12 and Buffy says I was just the beard so they end up in a conversation about her dad and you know the divorce wasn't your fault and Joyce is like oh my god he loved taking you trick-or-treating so much blah 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 and Buffy's like well I was just the beard he really just wanted the candy and I just thought that was funny because I've never really heard anyone refer to themselves as a beard unless they're talking about you know being with a gay guy that you know like you're just the fake girlfriend slash the beard I've never heard it explained in this discussed in this way and I never noticed that that was what she was saying until now since I watch everything with subtitles these days um but yeah I was just I was kind of I mean I understand why they're putting this conversation in there because they're trying to establish that Buffy has a fear of men abandoning her. So let's talk about daddy, I guess. Um, so that's why this is here. But it, it just, it felt out of place because like she hasn't discussed her dad in like a year, you know, maybe more. So it just kind of feels weird to have that in here, but it, there it is. Um, then we get to now it's the night of the party Willow's costume is Joan of Arc. Um, we get this nice little moment of in the hallway, there's a guy dressed as a lobster arguing with his girlfriend who's dressed as a present. Like she has a big box and her face has like a ribbon drawn on it. It was just, obviously they just put that in there to show just how cute 
it looks when people are arguing in costume. Um, Oz is God, and that just means that he has a... Willow talks about, well, you know, me and Joan of Arc, we have so much in common. I almost got burned at the stake, too. And, you know, because of my close relationship with God. And then Oz reveals that his he's just wearing a normal Oz outfit, but he has a name tag that says, hello, I'm God, which is just a funny little gag. And they joke about that throughout um, the episode a couple of times, which is cute. Okay, so everybody's fears. Xander is invisible, so he becomes invisible once they're inside the house and the fears start manifesting. He, no one can hear him or see him. And that was actually done pretty well um, before they actually, like, really point out that that is what's happening. There are several scenes where he is talking and no one's answering him. So if you don't know what's going on, you might just think, well, everybody's ignoring him because he's just being annoying. He's just being Xander. Um, so that was actually well done, now that I think about it. Um, Oz's fear is that he can't control the werewolf. So he starts turning into a werewolf. He doesn't fully transition, but he starts turning into a werewolf at the party, even though it's not a full moon. And then Willow's fear is that her spells will go wrong or something like that because she does a spell and it's wicked unfocused, that spell. Like she, I mean, to be fair, this is really just a slightly more exaggerated version of the way that, that Willow's spells usually go. So it tracks, in my opinion. Um, and then Buffy's spell is that or Buffy's fear. What is Buffy's fear? Buffy's fear is that she can't help everyone or something. It's kind of unclear how her fear manifests because she basically just gets tormented by a bunch of creatures, but it doesn't seem that scary. I guess the actual like fear factor of the episode, it just didn't feel scary to me. Um, it felt like this episode wanted to be as scary as a horror movie, but it just didn't deliver on that. So I guess that's what disappoints me about this episode. Or maybe just like everything they were trying to do in this one episode just couldn't quite be executed in a 42 minute span, you know, um, like they needed more time. If this were better executed and maybe as a two-parter, I could see how they could really do something with this premise, but I don't know. It just didn't really do it for me overall. There were lots of cute moments, though. Like, this, this episode is full of cute moments. It's full of cute little jokes. Um, so anyway, Anya gets to the party a little late. And she, the door isn't there anymore. Like the house is closed off to anyone else coming in. And she sees the, a window vanish from the house. So she goes to Giles to get his help. And immediately, like after she explains everything, Giles is like, hmm, that sounds like a summoning spell's temporal flux. <laughs> like, yes, Giles, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> uh uh, so he just immediately is on the case and Willow. So, okay. So we go back to the house, Willow and Buffy are arguing. And at one point Willow says, I can handle the dark forces as good as anyone. <laughs> just thought that was a funny quote. So I wrote that down. I can handle the dark forces as good as anyone. Um, okay. Nice moment of foreshadowing here. So at one point Oz kind of like disappears from Willow's side because he's turning into a werewolf. So he goes to be by himself because he's trying to talk himself out of turning. So this is actually a good bit of foreshadowing on more parts than I originally had realized because he actually learns he's about to leave us. Like we only have a couple more episodes left with Oz. Let's do the Oz countdown. Let's do it. One, two, shit. 
I'm pretty sure we only have two more episodes with Oz. I'm pretty sure. Yep. Two more episodes of Oz. Unless I'm miscalculating by looking at the titles of the episodes, but I think I'm right. So he ends up going away for a while. And when he comes back, it is revealed that he went to learn a certain form of meditation that now he is able to keep the wolf at bay. He, he can choose when to let the wolf out, essentially. Um, so that is kind of cool that he is right now in this episode, he's in the bathtub, like sort of chanting to himself, you're not going to change. 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 And it's pretty powerful because pretty soon in the next few months, he will learn to actually do that for real. Like this whole thing is an illusion. Like he's not actually changing into a werewolf and you know, like the bats that fly around them are not real. Um, none of what happens is actually real. I don't know if like the injuries that everyone sustains are real because you see a guy, a kid fall down the stairs and his neck is like broken at a crazy angle and he's dead, but they don't really talk about that again. So like, did that kid actually die? Buffy gets stabbed in the back at one point and she's bleeding and you know, they kind of brush it off. Like it's not that serious of a wound, but I don't know if she's actually injured later. They just sort of don't even deal with that. There's just a lot of things that they just didn't deal with, such as in the end of the episode, I mean, they're like, you know, probably 50 people or more at this house party and they're all dealing with their worst fears. But at a certain point during the episode, you just don't see anyone like even in the background, like maybe there's a couple of scenes where you might see someone in the background, but like they really at the end, whenever they solve everything, it's just them. It's just Giles and Xander and Anya and Willow and Buffy. And that's it. And like, you don't even see like disoriented frat boys in the background or anything. Like they just, I don't know, just a lot of little holes. If you actually think about it with this episode. Um, okay. So the other bit of foreshadowing. So Oz is hiding in the bathroom, trying not to turn into a werewolf. And Willow screams out, Oz, don't leave me. And it echoes like th four or five times. So you hear her say that and it's echoing through the house. You hear her say it over and over and over. So, I mean, that's kind of chilling when you think about it, since he's about to leave her and she's going to be a fucking mess. So kind of chilling. It really did give me chills watching it this last time. Like, oh shit. She just screamed Oz, don't leave me. And it echoed like five times. That's crazy. Um, Giles and Anya get to the party and Giles is like, okay, I'm going to have to create a door. And she's like, you can do that. And of course you think he's going to like pull out like some chalk and like do some some kind of door creating spell like in Beetlejuice or something, but he just pulls out a chainsaw and cuts into the house. He's like, yes, I can. <laughs> so Giles, you know, comes in, knight of swords with his chainsaw. Um, they realize right about the time that right before Giles shows up, like our fears are feeding this thing. And they found like the little book with the seal in it and they realize what's going on. They kind of put it all together um, without Giles's help. Uh, and then Giles shows up and Xander says, Hey everyone, it's Giles with a chainsaw. <laughs> um, and then he's like trying to translate the Gaelic in the book. And he's like, and of course, anyway, whatever. So Buffy destroys the seal. Cause she thinks that that's going to like, you know, cat or break the spell, which, you know, in any other episode of Buffy, it would have, but instead it summons him in this case. 
and the demon shows up and he's like three inches tall and they're all like oh my god so cute <laughs> what does he say when he first comes out and his his voice is all high-pitched i am the dark lord of nightmares <laughs> which reminded reminds me of the tori amos lyric that i've probably brought up before and i will probably bring up again because it's just funny there's this lyric in a tori amos song that is you sign prince of darkness try squire of dimness <laughs> just think that's the funniest thing because <laughs> in my mind she's talking about trent reznor so i always think of him as the squire of dimness <laughs> And I just, I thought of that immediately when this little fear demon is like talking about how, how dark he is. So there you go. That's the episode. Um, my, I had a hard time with object and outfit for this episode, but I came down that my object of the episode, I always like to pick one thing that I, I'd like to pluck directly out of the episode and keep for myself. I decided that that is Anya's bunny costume the whole thing can all of that be called one object sure why not these are my rules so yes outfit of the episode is giles's falsa blanket as poncho and sombrero with fringe just has to be the quote of the episode hmm, what is that what's the quote of the episode i did write down several things I was going to say that it's Buffy's, like, I was just thinking about the life of a pumpkin. Grow up in the sun, happily entwined with others, and someone comes along and rips you out of the ground. But. Hmm. Let's say it's the fear demon. Let's give it to the fear demon. I am the Lord. What was it? I am the Lord of darkness. I am the dark Lord of nightmares. Yes. Okay, sure. Why not? That's the quote. MVP of the episode is Giles. Um, my Michael pointed out that it is quite possible that Buffy would have come up. I mean, they'd already realized that their fears were feeding this thing. And, you know, she might have just decided to destroy the seal anyway, even if she, even though she couldn't have translated the Gaelic in the book without Giles. But then she would have just smashed him under her foot, just like she did anyway, and it would have been fine. So it would have been fine. They would have been okay without Giles, but, you know, he still jumped into action and he figured it out. And I like to give the MVP of the episode to someone other than Buffy as much as possible because she's always the hero. So, you know, it'd be easy to give it to her every episode, but I try to give it to someone else, which usually means I'm giving it to Giles. So he wins again. He is definitely the one that has won MVP the most times. Obviously, I'm not completely objective. <laughs> okay, time for our five by five ratings. Um, out of five, how do I feel like this episode treats women? Um... I don't think this episode was bad towards women at all. There was nothing, there was nothing male gazy about this episode. Even though Buffy was wearing pigtails and a red riding hood outfit, it was not sexualized at all. Uh, I guess there was a little bit of like anyone other than the main gang like there were a couple of comments from the frat boys about how they needed to scare young women or else they won't fall into your arms and we need them to fall into our arms right because halloween's about getting laid we got to scare the women but that was really the only thing that was kind of shitty it was just you know stupid frat boy comments about women but he did call them young women also chicks. I know some people are offended by chicks, but I'm not usually offended by women being called chicks. So overall, I think it was fine. Like it wasn't like super feminist text, but it wasn't 
being shitty towards women necessarily. So I'll give it a three for that. As far as overall enjoyability of the episode, like, again, it's fine. It's a passable episode. It's perfectly enjoyable. Like if some random person wanted to watch it on Halloween, any time, any place, I would say yes, but it's definitely not as good as the season two Halloween episode for sure. I'll just give it a three. Everything's middle of the road today. So this episode gets a nine altogether. Let's go ahead and talk about the angel episode. So let me find it in my notes. There we go. So Nikki Stafford's episode guide plot summary for angels episode. I fall to pieces. Um, where is it? Angel must stop a neurosurgeon who is stalking a woman, but things get complicated when he realizes that the man has learned to detach parts of his body. So basically the entire premise of this episode is, um, Doyle has a vision. A woman needs help. Guess what? This one isn't blonde guys. <laughs> so... As y'all may or may not know, I am keeping track of how many small blonde women Angel either needs to save or thinks he needs to save. In some cases, they don't actually need saving, like Kate. But in this episode, the person is, she's kind of like chestnutty, brown, red head. She might be kind of a redhead. I don't know. I can't really remember, but it, she's not blonde. So our count for little blonde girls that Angel needs to save. Keep in mind, this is only the fourth episode of Angel ever, and there's already been five. But it's still five. It was five in the third episode. Last week remains five. Okay. Episode Angel, I fall to pieces. My first note is they got bills to pay. Doyle's a little attracted. So this is just like this cute little moment where Doyle is like talking about how seductive Angel is in his trench coats or whatever. It's just cute. Cute little moment. Something that does not age well. Cordelia calls, I can't remember who she's referring to. I think she calls Doyle um, a retard, which is very glaring in 2019. Like that used to be something that was thrown around willy nilly, a term that was thrown thrown around willy nilly back in the day, but no longer. Thankfully, I am so glad. So that was just like a little e, like you know, you just kind of sort of react when you hear that now. So I wrote that down. Um, she's not blonde this time old guy is surveilling her. He used to be her doctor. Turns out they'd been on one date. So this guy just like became obsessed with this girl. He's a doctor. He's a really, really talented, innovative neurosurgeon. Um, <laughs> my mom, as I was like writing this note down, my mom like said the same thing out loud. You see his eyeball like floating in the air. He's watching her while she's undressing. And my mom's like, his eye is astral project projected, which was the exact wording that I was writing down on my notes as she said that. So I thought that was funny. Um, we get to see Kate again in this episode. There are a couple of... This episode overall, I think, was kind of clunky. But there were a couple of really great moments in this episode of, I think, the heart of this episode was good. It was coming from a good place. It just, again, just like, like the Buffy episode wasn't really executed that well. So there are, there's a, this in the beginning, like Angel kind of goes to Kate and talks to her about like this guy and the situation and like, you know, whatever. And, um, Kate and Angel sort of have a conversation about, they're really giving it gravity, which is kind of glaring when you think about like 
They're actually respecting this woman who's saying that she's being stalked. They're listening to her and they're sympathizing with her. And Kate kind of says, you know, even when somebody is put behind bars that has been stalking you, like you're still, you know, pursued by them in your dreams every single night. Like you don't just get over something like that. It's awful when people choose to be stalkers. It's not okay. And I wrote down this quote from Kate. Um, cause Angel says something about it getting, it might get ugly or something. And she says, she's being stalked than ugly. It already is. So yay for Kate. I like her. She's not the best actress in the world and they don't give her a lot to do, but overall, she could have been such a cool character if they had done it right. They're not gonna, but at least we get her for now. Um, this guy's, this doctor guy's lawyers are, of course, of course, Wolverman Hart. Um, what else? Angel. My next note was, since when is Angel so smart? I don't even remember what that was in reference to, but whatever. Um... And he says, oh, okay, this is probably because he's saying this to someone. I don't know who he was talking to, Doyle or Cordelia or somebody. It's not about Melissa. That's, that's the victim. It's about rage. You know, he kind of lays it out. Like, guys that do this kind of shit, you know, it's not because, it's not about you. Like, there are a lot of really good little nuggets like that in this episode. Of, like, if you're being stalked, it's not about you. It's about rage. It's about power. And, um, why are they guarding her at work, but not at home? Now he's after Angel. Surprise, surprise. Angel wants to break a guy up and put his parts in boxes. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Angel wants to break a guy up into pieces and put it, put his parts in the bo in boxes. <laughs> um, so that's kind of a callback to the, um, the episode of season two of Buffy when they had to like put get separate the pieces of the judge and ship them off to different corners of the world um oh yeah I just wrote that they're still doing those slice scene cuts it's just sort of seizure inducing loud jarring weird little scene cuts that they do that, that was just something that they did in 1999 Hopefully they don't, con I don't think they continue doing it. I don't know. It's very jarring. It's very loud. Um, okay. This was just a nitpick. So at one point the doctor tries to drug Angel with something that is kind of like a paralytic that kills him slowly by slowing his heart down until it eventually stops, I guess. I think that's what he was doing. And it affects him. Like, he's able to get out of it because he's a vampire. But it affects him. Like, he's being visibly affected by it. Like, he passes out at some point or something. And he's like, uh, 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 you know. Which he doesn't have. His heart doesn't beat. So, and they've established this many times that his heart doesn't beat. He doesn't breathe. So why would that affect him? Why? I ask you, why? Okay, whatever. Y'all know that Joss Whedon shows are not about plot. <laughs> um, Michael's review of the episode is, it's bad. <laughs> um, okay, there's this nice, there's another nice moment where like, so she started like staying at Angel's place and they're all trying to protect her because this stupid doctor guy can like, I mean, it makes no sense, but he can like detach his hands from his body and like, or his eyeballs. I think that's all he does. It's hands or eyeballs every time. And so like, oh God, there's a super creepy scene where he's detached his hands and they like crawl under the covers into her bed and it's just triggering as fuck. It's not okay. Um, anyway, 
And so she's staying there and she's kind of freaked out. And she's like, I hate that I've been reduced to this. They even sort of establish like this person, Melissa, as like a human being. Like there are pictures on her desk at work. Like she's a funny person. She's kind of a joyful person. Like she has pictures of her skydiving and all this stuff. And she's like, yeah, I used to do or bungee jumping, whatever. She's like, yeah, I used to do all that kind of stuff before. You know, like, I hate that I've been reduced to this, that I'm just so scared. And Angel says, kind of sits down and says, you know, don't be, you know, like, don't be so hard on yourself. He's the weak one. You're the strong one. He's the one that can't exist without obsessing about you. It's, it's not you, it's him kind of thing. And I liked that. I thought it was so sweet. And it was just something that really needs to be said in these types of episodes. I mean, how many times have we seen like some girl getting stalked by an ex, whatever, and how terrifying it is, but they don't, you don't normally see this. Someone saying, Hey, you're, you're doing great. You're still like existing. You're still getting up every day. You're still living your life. It's, you're not being weak because he has, you know, been an asshole and been awful and been a terror to you. That's not on you. That's on him. So I liked that, but it's not super backed up in the way that she reacts to things, you know, like she's portrayed as this adventurous, interesting person, but every time she's in a situation of fear. She just sort of like stands there and screams <laughs> even when it would be, she, I don't know. They just, the way that they chose to deal with her is that, you know, they would give her a little bit of characterization when she's talking to Angel, but whenever like she's actually being terrorized, she just screams, you know, like, I don't know. That might be just the fault of the actress in general. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I didn't like that. So the very last scene in the episode is that, um, she comes to visit Angel in his office. She brings him a plant and she pays him because one of the themes in the episode is that Cordelia is like, you got to start asking people for money. Okay. You, you got to do it. We got to get paid. Um, so she pays him and Cordelia is super excited for getting a check. And so and then she, I, I like this because in a lot of pop culture, you would have a girl fixating on Angel. Like he saved her. He took her in, you know, he counseled her. He protected her. He ultimately defeated the guy. I don't even remember how they defeated the guy. Did they kill him? Did he get locked up? I don't even know what happened. It was very unclear. It's not a super well-structured episode, but anyway, whatever. She felt like it was over and Angel took care of it, whatever. Normally a show would tell you that she is now into him, but instead she just sort of like shook his hand, gave him a check and a plant and said, I hope I never see you again. And then she leaves. So I don't know. I just liked that. I liked that. I liked that they, like, they gave her a bit of a personality. They had her be kind of gregarious and that is rare. I'm sorry to say, but it is. And then my very last note is Angel in a teal shirt hugging a plant. Cute. Cause like the very last scene, he's just sort of like leaning up against the wall in the background, kind of hugging his new little plant gift. And he's wearing this cute teal shirt. It's like, hey, we never see David Boreanaz in a teal shirt. That's a nice look. He looks nice. Um, okay, so that's about all I have to say about that. I mean, as a, it was a scary episode. It was kind of creepy, but just because the, because the visual effects, they didn't have a big enough budget to do it properly. I mean, it didn't really look terrible. It wasn't terrible, but the whole detached eyeball and hands thing, it's so easy for that to be cheesy. And it kind of was, 
but it was also kind of, I mean, I feel like it was generally effective as an episode, but it could have been so much better. I just feel like that about both of these episodes tonight. Um, so let's do the five by five rating for this episode. Okay. Um, treatment of women. Um, well, let's see. Does this episode pass the Bechdel test? I forgot to actually, I usually try to take that note with Angel, especially because it's much less likely that that's going to happen on Angel at this point. Luckily we get more female characters in the future, but right now, or we get one more female character in the future, let's be real. Um, I do think Cordelia and Melissa have a conversation at some point, but hmm. it is about the guy, I'm pretty sure. So I don't think this episode passed the Bechdel test. Um, Cordelia was her normal Cordelia self. The character of Melissa got, you know, she got a little bit more characterization than someone in this type of situation and episode normally would as a one-off character that is just someone that's being stalked. She got a little bit more characterization than usual in that situation. However, she still just sort of stood there and screamed whenever something bad was happening and she needed Angel to save her. She was very much a damsel in distress. Literally, that was her entire purpose. They gave her a little bit more personality than just straight up damsel, damsel in distress, but not much. So I'm going to give that a two for treatment of women in this episode because... Really, there was just her and Cordelia were the only representations of women in this entire fucking episode. I guess there was a moment. Wait, it did pass the Bechdel test. Because when we were first introduced to Melissa's character, she's presenting a birthday cake to a coworker named Penny. So we know her name. And they talk enough to establish there is a guy there, like another coworker but they have enough of an exchange. So it does pass the Bechdel test. Okay. Yes, it does. Maybe that's it. Okay. So what I'll do, I'm figuring this out, how I'm going to do this whole angel bullshit. Um, so I decided that I wasn't going to do like the whole object quote outfit, all that shit. I'm not going to do all that for every angel episode because I'm not going to talk about angel as much as Buffy. But I do want to give a five by five rating and I do want to answer the question about whether or not each episode individually passes the Bechdel test because almost every time Buffy's going to pass because her and Willow are going to have some kind of conversation about something that's not a man at some point, typically. I mean, there probably are some episodes of Buffy that don't pass, but I think it's going to be far more likely that we have a lot of Angel episodes that don't. This one does. Um, and I think we've kind of kept that up. I'll have to like start keeping track somewhere, make a spreadsheet or something. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't make spreadsheets. I write things down. I'll have to make a chart by hand of some kind. Um, okay. So yes, passes the Bechdel test. It gets a two for treatment of women. As far as overall enjoyability of the episode, I just, I really didn't enjoy it. Besides there being, like, a little bit of respect for the person being stalked, which is unexpected for this type of episode of television. You know, it's possible I'll never watch this episode again because I'm not, like, I don't do rewatches of Angel usually. Like, I, this is the third time I think I've seen it. This watch through is the third full time I've seen Angel. But... I'm probably going to keep it, but I don't know. I don't, I don't, I may never watch this episode again. So as far as enjoyability, it's got to get a low score if I don't give a shit about watching it ever again. Like I'll probably skip it in the future. If I am doing some sort of angel rewatch, I'm going to skip probably four out of every five angel episodes. And this is definitely one of them. 
So I'm going to give it a two. It just really wasn't that great. Um, the last episode of Angel was a lot better than this one. So this episode gets a four. So that's it. Um, that's all I got today, guys. Sorry it wasn't... I feel like I wasn't super provocative or thoughtful or interesting or intelligent tonight. But that's going to happen sometimes. Next week, I'm going to be much more um, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed because I'll get to get up, eat breakfast, have some coffee, and get into it with you guys. So it won't be, you know, 10.30 at night. <laughs> 10 30 at night is not even late for me just like saying that out loud like as if it's you know 2 30 in the morning <laughs> but I feel like that right now I actually put my pajamas on before I started recording this podcast <laughs> normally I would not do that but whatever we're informal tonight guys hopefully you're wearing your pajamas right now too if so pajama friends forever you and me okay um pajama pals let's get some alliteration in there you know like why not i hope you guys are having a great week i hope you guys have a great halloween halloween is a fun holiday i enjoy that it's like the one holiday in our culture that has no basis in religion or anything real. It's just ridiculousness. And I love that we're still able to do that as a culture. I love that we're able to just be ridiculous for no reason. So I hope that you are a person that enjoys the ridiculousness of Halloween. If you are not, um, it will be over soon. Don't worry. <laughs> mom, it'll be over soon. <laughs> My mom doesn't like Halloween. Um, let's all shame her. Okay, mom, shame on you for not liking Halloween. Uh, I love you guys so much. I will see you next week uh, where we will talk about Beer Bad, which I know is like kind of a universally maligned episode. And I'm sure it's not as good as I remember it. But I just find it funny to see people getting drunk and ridiculous. I don't know. I'm into it. <laughs> so let's get into it. Cheesy Buffy episode coming up next week. And we'll also be talking about the Angel episode called Room with a View. I don't actually remember what that episode is about. It might be the episode where Cordelia finds her apartment. I don't know. I actually don't know. I have no idea. Like there are going to be a lot of these like Angel episodes that by reading the title, it tells me nothing. And that is what's happening with that one. So we'll talk about it next week. See you then. Thanks for listening. Bye.